my microphone just fell apart. Um, oh no! Oh my god, he's dying. It's all right, Mark. I've got this. So books are very, very important to you and Alison. I do. I'm ab living. I'm, I'm hoping this is where he's going to go. Yeah, uh, no, it's yeah. good. That's are you good. Ready? You back? My pop shield fell off. I covered you. No one will notice. It's fine. Hello and welcome to List Envy. My name is Mark Stedman and this is the podcast where I work with a guest to build a top five list on a topic they choose. This week's topic is literary heroines. Um, They're not literally heroines, they are literary heroines. And building that list with me is co-host of the Your Own Words podcast, Becky Graham. This was a lot of fun to record, as I think you will hear in a minute. Um, Yeah, Becky, Becky's just loads of fun to to talk to um, and... Uh, has um, very good, uh, very strong, and very correct opinions uh, on on literary things. Um, and uh, and as usual, I brought my kind of brand of um, loud naivety uh, to the list. Um, but you know, I, I'm pretty sure I'm pretty happy with uh, with with the list that we've made. Actually, we've uh, it's it's been really good. So uh, as ever, uh, there are links and things in the show notes uh, if you want to delve uh, a little bit deeper into the characters and the, and the people we've talked about. Um, but we'll get on to some of that a little bit later. So for now, let's go straight into my chat with Becky Graham. When I was a child, my father, who is a is a massive reader, all he all he loves and cares about his books. Um, so he would read stories to me as a child. And so bedtime was bedtime story time. And he would uh, recite stories to me quite often. I had when I was very, very young, I had a, a problem with my knee and I was sent around hospitals throughout the country and put in weird machines and people were trying to make sense of what was wrong with my knee. And I remember saying to my father, can you read me a story? And he would say, well, I haven't bought a book. So he would make a story up for me out of his head whilst I was in these weird machines. And then doctors would come to him and say, that was so good. Can you come and read to all of our other children? And he'd say, well, I just made it up out my head. Ah. Um, so stories in terms of that just being a very comforting thing was always something that I had. And then as I got older, I think 15, 16 was when I really fell in love with reading and poetry was my way in. I loved reading poetry and philosophy. So I was never so much behind the story, but more about the act of life and the act of living and the act of emotion and what that meant was what really led me into reading. And it's only been very recently that sort of fiction and stories have become a thing that I've loved. So I guess it was learning learning my way around the world i suppose um as a kid was was the thing that that got me into books the assimilation of knowledge yeah i love knowledge knowledge is so cool um and yeah and now it's just just sort of a place to be after a stressful day or you know you wake up on those gray days and it's pouring a rain and you do not care at all about brexit anymore and you just want to hide somewhere and uh hiding in someone else's stories and someone else's life and and finding peace with the world that way is is such a comfort to me and that's why i love books do you have a that was a masterclass in an answer thank you do you have um a reading tradition like do you like to curl up in a special spot yeah i guess do you have a nook i have a so i'm a i'm a bit weird my home i have lots of chairs in my home because i have a weird fascination with danish furniture shout out to danish furniture you make the sure. best chairs guys honestly it's so good um so i have a lot of different seating arrangements in my house and yet the place that i choose to sit is on the floor on a cushion with my back against my sofa 
Um, so I do not sit in any of my beautiful Danish chairs, but that's, <laughs> that's the place I like to sit. I don't know why. I think because um, I can then rest my book on my knees and read that way and sort of curl up in a ball with the book and then the book kind of becomes part of me. Um, and it's just, yeah, that's how I like to read. I, I find that just very comforting to be curled into a book. Ooh, that's a nice image, curled into a book. I'm all about imagery. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, <laughs> do you have? So you, you have you have cats, and I, I'm 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 interested in the sort of um, uh, feline interrupters. I have, uh, yeah, I, I have literary reasons for my cats as well. Um, so I have Caspian, who is named after Prince Caspian in Narnia. Oh, of course. Um, I wanted to call him Aslan, but he was so stupid. <laughs> uh, he just couldn't carry the weight of being Aslan. Um, he's not an allegory for God. He, he, yeah. He's he's really not. He's the dumbest little <laughs> fucker. He's gorgeous. I yeah. adore him, but I just I couldn't do it to to the honourable name of Aslan. So I called him <laughs> I called him Caspian, and he's often and he's a big orange ball of madness, and he's ridiculous. And then I have Luna, and she is the exact opposite of Caspian on the moon. So you have the, the, the Caspian moon and the lunacy on the moon. So I, I named Caspian after Narnia and then I named Luna after Caspian. And they are... I love that. They are sort of polar opposites. She is the smartest, most ridiculously <laughs> intelligent person I've ever met in my life. She can do, like, <laughs> honestly, sometimes she gives me a look as if to say, what are you doing with your life? And I'm like, I don't know, mm. Luna, help me out. Um, <laughs> she's very smart. She's very emotional. She often deals with Caspian because I, I can't deal with his madness anymore. She's very <laughs> grounded and calm and measured. And when I'm sad, she brings me tea bags like a good Irish girl should. And she's <laughs> just literally the polar opposite. And I often will read with the two. Luna will be sat at, she likes to turn pages. So she'll be sat on my lap turning pages and Caspian will be like, I don't know what's happening, but I feel like I should be involved. I'm here. Oh my God. And then everyone says, oh, Caspian, go away. And that's, that's pretty much my life. That's some... You've, you've, you've painted a picture of a good life, I We're think. very niche. We're very niche. Yeah. No one else is welcome here. It's just us. We're totally <laughs> I am taking back the crazy cat lady and I am turning it into like majestic goddess of feline. Oh, yes. There you go. Um, I, don't, I don't know if there's a male equivalent for that. Because the, the 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 cat lady the crazy cat lady thing doesn't uh doesn't translate into into being a man so being a man with two two cats I don't I don't know what what is wrong like, with there you, isn't Mark? a trope <laughs> yeah, what is know. your problem why do you need two cats <laughs> oh, um I feel like if I answered that question honestly we'd be here for another three hours this is a whole new podcast. <laughs> Well, tell you what why don't we um why don't we get on to uh to to, to getting listed yes. um. We so our list is is literary uh, literary heroines, yeah. and uh, this comes off the back of uh, last week's episode. Uh, you know, this is, this is from from the future, of course, because of course. we're recording this in the past. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it was really professional. Um, <laughs> last week was underappreciated female authors. Nice. Uh, and we had um, we had a really interesting split between sort of regency authors, uh, romance authors, and the names that I came up with. <laughs> <laughs> 
wonderful. <laughs> yeah. So I'm interested to see what this list, uh, list looks like. Uh, so why don't you kick us off with um, with your number one pick? Oh, my number one, which I feel like just needs a podcast of its own. And the reason that I specifically said to you, literary heroines, which do not have to be fiction, was because I wanted to talk about this woman and her biography, which is by far the best work of literature I've ever read. And it is, for anyone out there, if you're Irish or just a genius, it is the goddess Maureen O'Hara. Um, uh-huh. Maureen O'Hara has a biography called Tis Herself, which is the most insane work of feminist brilliance I have ever seen read in my life. She is the coolest woman alive. Do you know Maureen O'Hara? No, I don't. And I'm sad about this. Right. So she uh, was a Hollywood actress from the 40s. Um, she did a lot of work with John Wayne and John Ford. Um, she died when she was like 98. She was given like a posthumous Oscar because everyone was like, oh, that crazy Irish chick was cool. She was fucking cool. Let me tell you how cool she was, Mark. How cool was she? This is how cool she was. So she was uh, an actress. She was with the Dublin player. She had no interest in doing anything, but some Hollywood types came over to Dublin, uh, were scouting around, did some screenshots of a lot of people. And then one of them was intoxicated by her insane eyes. She has beautiful eyes. We're like, that woman has amazing eyes. Let's bring her to Hollywood. That's all cool and fine. Off she was going there. Now, the day before she went, a man that she'd been seeing accidentally sort of married her without her realising that that's what was happening. What? Yeah. So she turned up to his house to say, she'll goodbye now, Paddy. Might not have been his name, but fine. She'll goodbye yep. now, Paddy. Uh, I'll see you on the other side. And a priest was there. And the priest says, oh, Maureen, you'll marry him. She was like, you what now? Sorry, her? What? Uh, yeah, sure. I mean, I have to catch a, a boat in like three hours. Like, well, what's happening? Speed it up, speed it up. And so ended up marrying this guy without meaning to. And then had to, and then was like, well, I have to go to Hollywood now. So I'm not really sure I'll deal with this later by then and then got on a boat to Hollywood and was like oh shit I think I just married your man like I'm not your man there I'll deal deal with that later literally like I'm not sure what happened oh sure I'll deal with that later it's fine whatever goes off to Hollywood (laughs) ends up in Hollywood um, and then realises like oh shit I better deal with this casual marriage thing I accidentally had but I didn't really mean to and he sort of accidentally cajoled me into it and it wasn't my fault and then so then she has an I got married but it wasn't my fault she didn't mm. mean to Mark it was mm. a mistake no, no one told her it was happening <laughs> she got cajoled into it yeah so I'm not going to victim blame like, that's fine yeah it's like she was just like shit me like that did not mean to happen so then she's there in Hollywood she's doing her acting it's all grand it's all lovely it's like fine she's got the eyes she's in a couple of things but she's like well, I'm an amazing actress and I'm a great singer and I'd love to sing and I've got these ideas of stuff that I'd like to do, but it's the 40s, right? So it's the casting couch. So you're supposed to sleep with people if you want to part. So Maureen O'Hara's like, no, I'm a feisty Irish woman. I'm from Dublin. I do not sleep with people to get a role. So she basically was blacklisted from Hollywood because she wasn't sleeping with any of the people. But she's like, it's cool. I'm Maureen O'Hara. I'm just going to do my thing. I'll work it out. Like, fuck you. It's all fine. She starts doing lots of theatre. She gets in with John Wayne and John Ford um, and starts doing, like, devising uh, plots and they respect her acting. So she sort of fumbles along that way. Um, she then, <laughs> then six months down the line, accidentally marries another man. Get, which, get, uh, get, get, get. Yeah. She didn't, she didn't mean to, Mark. It get. was a mistake. Get. She was at she was at a Hollywood party. She was struggling to get roles. She met this nice man. He seemed like a nice chap. Uh, they went out a couple of times. She was feeling very isolated. Um, 
one day he walks up into a courthouse and <laughs> marries her. She's like, oh, Jesus. Oh, sh- uh, Christ, now. Shit, what have we done? <laughs> Jesus, Mary, Mother and George, what have we done now? Christ alone. So she marries him, then finds out he's a raging alcoholic. And then she's like, oh, Jesus Christ. This was a mistake. So then she's married. I could have got that back in Dublin. Right, exactly. Do you seriously come all the way over the ocean? You could have married an alcoholic back home. <laughs> so she's married a man now. She's struggling to get work. And she's married to an alcoholic and she's like, well, okay, I'm a good Catholic girl, so I have to take care of him. That's what you do when you marry someone, like, it's fine. So she's taking care of him. She's struggling to get work. She has a kid with this guy and she's been reading the Mary Poppins books to her child. And she thinks to herself, I should know this is a grand story. Like, I should take this to Disney. I think you'd love it. So she goes into Disney's office. She's like, I've got this story for you. It's this book. It's Mary Poppins. Um, she's kind of this hard-edged woman. And Disney's like, I'm not remotely interested. Um, what do you mean? Like, do you just want to part? I'm not into this, blah, 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 blah. Mm. So basically, she comes up with the, the idea of Mary Poppins. Disney had never heard of it before. He shoves her out because she won't casting couch it, steals the idea, and then Mary Be- Poppins becomes massive. At which point, Disney and a bunch of other people completely blacklisting Maureen O'Hara because she's refusing to play ball like the pretty young girl should but steals Mary Poppins from her and she's still like well I'm trying to I'm trying to act I should probably like you know I'm just she's getting crappy parts and crappy things no one's no one's really respecting what she's doing but she's stuck in America and at this point she's like okay well Disney's just stolen Mary Poppins well I guess I'll just I'm married to this fucking oath now I've got to take care of my drunkard it's it's grand I should probably get citizenship so just like just just to recap, at this point in the story, she's been accidentally <laughs> married twice. She came up with Mary Poppins that was stolen from her. She was blacklisted from Hollywood because she wouldn't sleep with anyone and made a point of saying, I'm not sleeping with anyone. So she's been in the country like two years, so she needs to get citizenship. So she applies to citizenship. It comes back like Moina Hara English, and she's like, hold on. Oh, yep, yep, Wait, yep, yep. No, I, am, I am a strong I'm Irish woman. Right there. I should know, I'm not having that. I'm not having that at all, she says. She does. She's like, she gets very angry about this. So then she says, I should know, what can I do now for the Irish people? I should know, I know, I'll take on John F. Kennedy. So she takes John F. Kennedy to court. John F. Kennedy. Like, like what the fuck? <laughs> you know, the, the, the John F. The Kennedy. The John F. Kennedy, which, by the way, all Irish people fucking love. Yeah. She takes on John F. Kennedy, takes John F. Kennedy to court because she refuses to be seen as either English or an alien. She's like, I'm not English or an alien. I'm an Irish woman. Get over yourselves. Takes him to court, makes John F. Kennedy personally come to court and sign off that Irish people can be seen as Irish. Again, to recap, accidentally married twice. Comes out with Mary Poppins. Thrown out of Hollywood because she wouldn't sleep anyone. Calls out everyone that's sleeping with her. Takes on JFK. I have not finished the story yet, Mark. It does not end there. At this point, she's got her double citizenship. So she decides to pop home to see her family. I think her mammy's unwell, so she pops home to see her family. Gets home to Ireland, uh, chilling out. She comes down with a bit of a fever. She goes to bed. Some people knock on the door. Oh, is Maureen here? Oh, she's not here right now. Oh, we need to take her to some awards. I'm like, oh, I don't know. There are any awards. Oh, she's not well. Off you go. Someone tries to abduct her, Mark. Someone tries to abduct her from her home in Dublin. And she's still there like, it's fine. It's grand. I'm a strong Irish woman. Nothing to worry about here. Don't don't you bother yourself with anything. (laughs) Like... 
what the fuck? Then she goes back to America. Then she starts writing this amazing film, The Quiet Man with John Ford, which is about Irish life. He turns out to be a dick, but whatever. It's Maureen. She's still strong as anything. She's getting a few roles. My mum's favourite film. It, it's one of my favourite films of all time, and she co-wrote it. Oh. But is she credited to co-wrote it? No, of course she's not, because she's Maureen O'Hara. But she doesn't care. She's there. Damn! She's still like, it's great. You know her brother, like, so a lot of her family are in it, but they don't credit it because John Ford's a dick. So she makes this film... And at this point now, the casting count thing is sort of like coming down a little bit since the 50s. So people are starting to actually remember that she can act. And she's put in like Miracle on 34th Street. She does Parent Chap and she's older and all of this sort of stuff. So now you've got at this point, she's taken on JFK. She's done a few marriages. She finally manages to sack off the second marriage of the your man that's an alcoholic. She didn't realize an alcoholic. She didn't realize what she was getting herself into. She gets rid of him. She meets a lovely man. And this is where... If, if all of this was not enough, why she's the coolest woman alive, this is where this gets even better. She marries a nice wee man who owns an air fleet. They have a lovely marriage. He dies. That's fine. No one cares about him. Oh. Maureen O'Hara oh. becomes the first woman in the world to own and run an air fleet. Get out of town. Like, what? Get out the of the town Maureen that you O'Hara. are in. Literally. Literally. She's the first woman of all time to own and run an air fleet. It's absurd. So she's taken on JFK. She's managed to get away from an, an abduction attempt. She's accidentally married two men, who one of which she annulled and the other she divorced, which was not done at that time, and especially if you're an nope. Irish Catholic. Nope. She takes on Hollywood. She calls out the casting couch. She has Mary Poppins stolen from her, but she still stoically just goes ahead and plows on and does what she does. And then at the end of all it, she becomes the first woman in the world to own and run an air fleet. <laughs> right? Everyone needs to go home and read Tis Herself right now. It's the best book ever written. Uh, I I uh, wish I was a better podcaster because <laughs> I don't have anything to say. Uh, I mean, how can you have my anything to word. say to that? How can you? Like, it's literally... Uh, uh, no. It's beyond. I, I, I think that's the end of the podcast. I feel like that's it. That's all I wanted to say. I don't really care about the other five. I just really wanted no. to make my point of saying Maureen O'Hara is the coolest woman alive slash dead. Because and then she stubbornly stuck around till she was like 98. Like People would wheel her on at awards and she'd be like, <laughs> I don't give a crap about this. Do what you want to do. Still with her like... I'm a goddamn superhero. Literally like with her like bright auburn hair like stubbornly like i'm literally what i'm literally the coolest person alive and i don't give a crap if none of you egypts know about it <laughs> like all fucking hail maureen o'hara she's my number one two three four and five yep um <laughs> yeah that was um so that was like 20 minutes um <laughs> quick rundown yeah. of why Maureen O'Hara is a genius. Um, listeners will be pleased to have 20 minutes where I'm not speaking. So that was really good. That was incredible. Um, I'm happy to help. That was that. What a remarkable story. Um, yeah, she's amazing. She's amazing. And also it's like the, the book itself is such an easy read. It's such a joy to read. It's funny. She's outrageously witty. And a lot of these things, which in her life have been massive trials, she just sort of brushes over with this, this typical like, strong feisty irish woman humor and it's just a joy to read and even if you don't know her films i highly recommend it as a book she is fucking deadly as the irish would say it's it's an it's an awesome book and she's a heroine beyond heroines wonderful absolutely wonderful um wow okay um i've set you up now mark oh you really have i don't feel good about any of mine now (laughs) 
I mean, Come all of mine are fictional for a start, but um, okay. Wow. I feel like we all need a breather. Um, <laughs> okay. So my number one, uh, we, I think we probably talked about this when I was uh, on uh, your, your, uh, your podcast, um, but my, my number one literary heroine, very modern, and it's Elizabeth Salander. Yeah. Uh, from the Millennium Trilogy. Um, she, so I started the book, uh, as, as we've discussed before, I'm, a, I'm an audiobook person, and uh, I started this on a plane to America. And I was like, okay, Swedish, whatever. Into it, I'm, sure it'll be, I'm sure it's fine. Um, Swedes. These, this is for, it's a foreign book, isn't it? Oh, it's all in foreign. No, it's all right. It's in English. But the man's got a foreign accent. All the names are foreign. Ah. <laughs> um, but I'd, see, I'd seen, I'd heard about the film, and I was like, okay, this is interesting. Um, and... I don't think I knew anything about it other than it l- sounded interesting. Um, and so I, I was sat on the plane, eh, going through it's fine. Um, and then a couple of days later, I'm on a beach and um, I don't like beaches. So I'm just sat there, uh, protect, well, avoiding the sun and uh, got my headphones in and I'm listening to this book. And it suddenly gets to uh, this moment where, so on, on the plane, I'd been, uh, I'd been introduced to this woman who is a... Um, socially, I, I would say inept, but that's a choice she makes. She's not inept. She just chooses to not be good at social things. Yeah. Um, she's a, a hacker extraordinaire. She's uh, a genius. She has a photographic memory, um, which we don't find out until a, a bit later. But we know there's there's some stuff. She's got this this very checkered, troubled past. Um, but she's had someone in sort of fighting her corner to be like, look, you should hire her for this job because she'd be really good at it. And and so she starts making teas and coffees and graduates. And eventually she's like effectively running this um, private investigations department where uh, the company that she works for, um, she does investigations on people to, to find out their background and stuff. And she is able to dig things up that just don't exist anywhere else. Like, cause only she can do it with her magical fingers. Um, <laughs> and so I'm lying on a beach and um, there's a scene where she goes in to visit her, uh, so her, it's not much of a spoiler, but it's because it's, I mean, the book is so long. We're already about 19 hours into the, into the, <laughs> the audio book. And it's the, the audio book's like three days long. Um, but her, her, so it, she, she basically has effectively the um, Swedish equivalent of a social worker um, uh, who is a, 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 a lawyer. And he um, it has to get replaced by someone else who turns out to be a monster. And... I was just getting into that there's a whole section. There's, 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 if you know the story, you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. There's a whole yeah. section with the thing with the lawyer. Yeah. And at this point, you're like, oh man, okay, she's like, she has been a victim, but she is not a victim. Like, she, I, I, I like a revenge story. And, um, this is only one of sort of three major strands, two or three major strands in the, in the, in the book. Um, how she exacts her revenge. And it's kind of our, origin story it's not even the arc of the book um but she she is she's she's mis, misused mistreated let's yeah. say and she exacts her her exquisite revenge and it's brutal and it's just it's you know as as good revenge should be it's kind of um what's the phrase disproportionate um because all good revenge stories should be dis- disproportionate it's no good if you like an eye for an eye because you know because <laughs> um, that's not satisfying. So she she goes to town on this guy, um, and at that point, I was like, okay, I'm so in every free moment I've got now on this holiday. I am 
finishing this book and now i'm getting the second book on our, on my crappy wi-fi in my uh in in this room uh in in the states i'm downloading the second book now because i've just absolutely eaten through the first um i was just in awe uh and and there's there's amazing characters in this book and and they're very rich and deep and uh elizabeth salander is just she's um she's an incredible woman who i'd love to meet and know that she would absolutely hate me <laughs> That's the thing I'm very aware of. <laughs> she would have no time for the likes of me, <laughs> Beck. No time whatsoever. I feel like we could do coffee. I feel like the three of us could do. I mean, you might need a buffer. Yeah. But I would happily be that buffer. I feel like we could do coffee, and then by the end of the coffee, she'd come round to you, and then I could probably go to the the till and be like, "I'm going to get another coffee. You guys talk about yourselves." And by the time I've come back, you'd be friends. Oh well, that's that's. Oh, I appreciate that. Thanks, thanks for performing that service. That's that's. Uh, that's I'm, I've done it yeah. before for many people. Uh, I I can do it for you, Mark. It's fine. I mean, not not with you know a fictional character. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Ask Caspian. He's looking at me weirdly right now. So maybe maybe I have. <laughs> that's, a, that's, a, that's a good power to have. So uh, yeah, you. Um, I, I take it you've you've read at least one of the I books. I have. Yeah, I, I have read and watched their. They were a weird book for me to because they weren't a, a book that I would normally pick up. Mm. But I had a friend that was obsessed and similarly audio booked them and said you you must listen to this and I'm not Simply someone that traditionally I've come to audiobooks only very recently so I, I read it and it took their big books mm. I'm quite a quick reader it took me about four months to get through um yeah no she is that the, there are a lot of things to love about that character and I think a lot of it is because of the, the fact that there are weaknesses Mm-hmm. And that kind of makes yeah. her even cooler and even more brilliant. She's like, this is someone who is not scared of their flaws and not scared of their weaknesses. Like everyone's got their their trilogy of things, whether it's Star Wars or Lord of the Rings or whatever. And uh, and I think Lord of the Rings probably was mine before. And then this came along and I was like, oh, well, that's my whole world. It's just like, that's <laughs> what I care about now. Um, and I keep going back to them and, and sort of re- re-listening. And yes, I've seen the, well, seen the first film, the Swedish film and seen the, uh, David Fincher happens to be my favourite director. So I was, I was quite delighted when- You've done- very well then from this series i really have i've I've, uh yeah i've I've made out like a bandit ticked all Um, of your boxes great stuff okay so that's 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 elizabeth um what's your number two uh my number two so i'm gonna i'm gonna go back to like absolute sheer basics here matilda (gasps) oh yes i'm so happy yeah she's my number three oh matilda is my number two because i mean just I, i remember reading matilda as a kid and being like here is this feisty independent intelligent moral strong fierce brilliant girl who also if that wasn't enough taught herself telekinesis like (laughs) (laughs) what there's nothing not to like about her she is one of the strongest characters in all of literature i don't care that she's like seven years old or whatever she takes on adults but with such humanity and she has enough perception to realize when someone is good and is deserving of love and care and when someone is a bit of a dick and she needs to fight against them in a polite gentle way which isn't going to hurt them but will make their hair look stupid she's awesome um i love her she was like the first one of the first books i really remember taking to my heart and thinking i want i kind of want to be you i want to i want books to be a power and i think when i was at school like it was not it was not cool to 
sit around reading books like it was geeky and yet you had this awesome kid who was the strongest person in her universe was respected by the adults that was that were able enough to see her intellect and was generous enough with her intellect to be able to respect adults in the same way and i just adore her i think she's amazing it's been uh, a, a while since I've um, revisited the books, which is probably not surprising. But I, <laughs> you're, you're not a um, casual Wednesday evening Matilda reader. No, um, but <laughs> I was a big I was a big Roldal fan. Yeah, um, and uh, it, it, again in audiobook form, I had. Um, I never had the unabridged version, which is a real shame. I think I, I did then go and, and actually read the books uh, or the the book um, a little bit later with the obviously with the Quentin Blake illustrations. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I, yeah, I, I the the version I had was this sort of dramatized thing, and so uh, it was you know it was quite quite well performed. Um, but the scene where uh, Trunchbull makes the the boy eat the cake yes. um, was just always stuck with me. It's just yeah. ugh, cruel and unusual punishment. Um, but then Miss, uh, oh, I can't honey, I'm sure. Miss I talk- honey. Is it Miss? Yes, thank you. Yeah, Miss Honey. Yeah, I talked about her. What did we talk about her or something? I, think I feel like I've had that conversation about Miss Honey. Yeah, I think we might have done. Yes, um, but yeah, a, a sort of a, a, a lovely character. But Matilda, yeah, just, just a great sort of. I don't know. I think I liked the fact that it was set up almost being. Uh, opposed from the or uh, yeah opposed to or opposed from the parents yeah. from the beginning like Dahl kind of says sometimes parents be stupid mm-hmm. um and it's sort of he's he's kind of again that like we talked about before that kind of conspiratorial thing um sort of sitting next to you and going it's all right uh sometimes you you might be at sometimes a bit smarter than your parents yeah. and you've just got to deal with that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and, uh, you know, it uh, might not be all the time and, you know, respect them, yes, but sometimes the yeah. decisions aren't all, you know. And grown-ups that, can be that, idiots, that I think, is a thing. Like, yeah. grown-ups can be idiots. And when you're, when you're young, you're told to respect your elders and, you know, you're in school so everyone is miss or missed it. They're given that hierarchical thing. Mm. And what Matilda did was say, yeah, okay, respect is great, but sure. grown-ups can be fucking stupid and they can fuck up and it's okay as a kid to turn around and say yeah i hear you but i disagree mm-hmm. Absolutely. and like that power for a child reading that as a kid like the idea that i could say i disagree with a grown-up was yeah. like madness uh oh what a great choice um thank you okay <laughs> uh well you're welcome um <laughs> so she's in the mind number three mind number two then um uh, throwing throwing out my nerd card yet again <laughs> is Granny Weatherwax. Oh, it, oh, I don't know that. Oh, excellent. Um, have you read any of the Discworld books? I have read the Discworld books, but only like, I mean, there's like, what, 12,000 of them now? Yeah. Um, yeah so yeah. I've only read like the first couple. Okay. You may have encountered, she's in a lot of the sort of, certainly the early books. Um if I was to say Nanny Og to you, would that make it? Yes, that 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 yeah. helps me out. Yeah, yeah. So the two the two knock around um, together. Uh, so in my mind, I can't remember if this is actually a description. You know what? It's basically French and Saunders. Yes, is is what I have in my head. Wonderful. Um, <laughs> yeah. So Granny Weatherwax is Saunders. Um, okay, I'm with you. And yeah. yeah, long and thin. Yeah. Um, and uh, she is. She's a sort of. She's not a matriarch because she she has no interest in in that kind of thing. But she's very she's more like a a ward sister 
Um, yeah. In that she's got that kind of, you know, rolling her sleeves up kind of, uh, she's probably Northern um, <laughs> or, or Highland Scottish. Is she, is she she's Pam got that, Ferris? You know. She's Pam Ferris, I think. You know that, um, that actress, that like Northern actress that always plays. Name. She was in Darling Buds of May. Pam Ferris. Oh yeah. She always yeah, plays yeah, yeah. that like matronly woman. Yes, absolutely. Um, perhaps have you seen any American Horror Story? Yes. Um, it's Jess- Jessica Lang. Okay. The, the, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. 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 So it's kind of it's kind of a Lang vibe. Um, yeah, she's so she is a she's a very excellent witch. Um, she's very very good at witching. Whereas Nanny Og is kind of she's all right, but she's a bit of a you know she she's the comic relief. Um, and she's, if I remember rightly, very good not only at poker but very good at uh, being a shark. Uh, like yeah, she will absolutely play that. Oh, I'm just an old woman and completely rinse people. Yeah. Um, so she's a, she's kind of a, a, a badass in a, you know, in a shawl. Um, and I think Pratt- Pratchett gets to have a lot of fun with, uh, a woman who has no truck with things. She's yeah. the kind of woman who has no truck with, with things. Um, and she's just a great sort of no nonsense, badass lady who, um, when set against, uh, what, uh, the disc world has, which is a lot of inept men. Yeah. Uh, um, Pratchett wrote a lot of inept men, obviously on purpose. You know, they're, they're kind of mostly kind of dips. Well, I mean, they're everywhere, you know. They're not just in yeah. this world. Oh, yeah. Oh, it's not just on... No, no, absolutely. <laughs> he was being true um, to <laughs> Yes, very much. Very much so. Um, and then, yeah. Uh, and so, you know, he... If if you want to go for that sort of incel reading, it's like, <laughs> oh, all the women are OP. Oh, fuck Um <laughs> But yeah, you know, they, they, they tend to be a bit more sort of, um, yeah, unless you're Nanny Ogg and you're a bit of a, you're also a little bit of dipshit, but engaging characters and um, not someone you necessarily like, but damn well you respect yeah, her. Yeah, nice. <laughs> and that's, yeah, that's a, that's a Granny Weatherwax. Um, Marvellous. What, uh, who is number three? Oh, so actually this is quite a nice little segue from that. Miss Marple. Oh, wow. Lovely. Miss Marple, classic, like, old woman, no one pays any attention to, thinks that she's, like, old and doddery, she's just there in the background knitting, and yet she has her eyes on absolutely everyone. Nothing gets past her. People doubt her intelligence, but she never doubts her own. She refuses to prove anything to anyone, and that she comes out every time and is like, I've been watching you, and I know what's going on. Genius bit of writing. You know, I don't know if I've ever seen a marple or read a marple i know i certainly have never read a marple um to, to my you know to my detriment i'm sure but um i don't know if i've ever seen one um you must have seen a marple i mean they're so good it's like classic winter three hours itv <laughs> you don't have to move get in the blanket just like it's just amazing and she's just the the constant she's a, she's like weirdly the constant strength of the story whereas when at the same time everyone else thinks she is the weakness everyone all the other characters constantly like oh i'm young and brash i'm young and i have money and i'm doing all of, oh here's this poor doddery old woman and she plays up to it and she walks around town with her stick and she people reveal things to her because they don't notice she's there and they ignore her because she's the old woman and she'll be sat there in the coffee shop or in the house and people are saying things that they really shouldn't say out loud, but they have just seen an old woman 
and they don't recognize her as being anything of any importance. And she, she gets all this information and all this knowledge and she reveals the murderer every single time because to everyone else she's invisible, but to herself she knows that she exists more than any of them and she does not back down and it's absolutely stunning writing. That's wonderful. Was, now I'm going to show my ignorance. Is it... Early early twentieth century. Yeah, early twenties. Yeah. Uh, so she's one. So it's Ag- one of the Agatha Christie's big ones. So you've got Poirot and you've got Marple, um, and it's that brilliant thing of I think, especially at the time as well. For one thing, you had this woman writing these amazing crime novels, mm. but she also picked complete curveballs into who her characters were. So you, you had at the same time, like you had other crime fiction written by men, and they had very suave uh, James Bond. I mean, like you had like suave men being strong men and solving mysteries and women <laughs> fawning over them and then you've got little bloody miss marple knitting a cardigan in the background <laughs> like <laughs> it's just nuts like literally like, potting around going for a cream tea and not remotely revealing her hand at any point because everyone has assumed that because she's old she's useless and inferior and this was yeah in the 20s when like even more so i think that was probably the case and she just at no point she refuses to deny her own brilliance and refuses also to prove it. And I just, whether you're reading Marple or you're watching Marple, that to me was always a massive, just strong fucking woman that I had massive respect for. And her cardigans were also really cool. <laughs> Good cardi, uh, cardi game. Good cardi um, game, yeah. Strong, strong cardi game. I, yeah, I, I love, I love the, um, that, that whole notion of you, like that invisibility is a superpower. Yeah. It's like because I'm old and grey, you assume I'm just not there, or I'm just not relevant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like I'm there, but I'm just not relevant to society anymore. And and this thing of just be, then being able to leap out of the shadows and go, ha ha! Yeah. I saw you steal that cupcake. Yeah. And I think normally in in both both fiction and life, we tend to think of that as a weakness. But what I always loved about yeah. Marple was that she knew that. She knew that people yes. thought she was irrelevant. And she took that and she turned it into a strength and then she pounded people with it. So like, all this time you thought I was here worthless and I was nothing. I saw you and I know you and I've got you pegged. And she turned it into the greatest strength. Yeah. Regardless of what society was saying, like these poor old people get rid of, like she just turned into such strength. And that to me was just one of the most beautiful magic powers. It, 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 I, I love her. She's amazing. Everyone should sit down at Christmas and watch a marble. There'll be one on ITV. You don't have to go far. Um, she's, yeah, she's a, she's an unassuming heroine, I think, but because of that, one of, one of the greatest. I think in, Certainly in Matilda and Marple and I think in Salander, mm. um, we've got people who are routinely underestimated. Absolutely, yeah. And then get to like whip that back and go, yeah, like I'm going to use your weight against you. Um, and and I, yeah, I, I really, I find that really interesting. Yeah, 100%. I stole your number three, so. Yep. <laughs> so my number four is Aya Stark. Okay, yep. Yeah, I'm with you. Yeah, I I see. Nice. I see you. I see you. Yeah. <laughs> I, I see your Martha and I raise you a star. I raise you a star. Um, yeah. Uh, she she refuses. I mean, it's it's kind of. Uh, let's be honest. Not a lot of great female characters in Game of Thrones. Mm-hmm. Um, that 
actually have agency and aren't just victims. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't know she... what you mean. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. Well, whatever, could you? Um, but she is. She refuses to um, to be seen as uh, not being able to do what the boys do. She wants yeah. to do what the boys do. She wants to learn how to fight, and she, uh, you know, she she goes and does that. But then takes that to the nth degree you know she runs away uh in the beginning of the first series because you know that's how i've that's how i've consumed game of thrones um and she has this sort of incredible uh journey where she learns to be an assassin and she rides with um a uh with, with, a, with a big brutish fellow who uh they're both kind of plotting to kill each other um and she has this list of names that she she wants to kill and she recites them um before going to bed like a prayer uh she forges amazing you know go, goes and gets amazing steel to to fight with um she uh travels to the farthest reaches of this you know made up land and um yeah learns these incredible skills kind of turns a bit magic um and then comes back and and uh teaches someone else how to kill a white walker and she's just yeah she's um she's another another stone cold fucking badass what i'm getting from this so far is that we're really into stubborn yeah, yeah. <laughs> stubborn feisty women that no one else pays attention to is so far the gist of this list maybe that should be the new title of the list mm, yeah um, <laughs> women who are just like nope <laughs> yeah not having it sorry i've got my own agenda <laughs> yeah they've definitely they've all definitely got their arms crossed and they're looking disapproving <laughs> that's a good choice because i like i had friends who were obsessed with the game of thrones books and i hadn't read the books and they said you have to watch the series and i started watching the series and exactly what you just said i was like but all of these women are really like like what's a polite way of saying mm. <laughs> sort of secondary let's say um or their their tools to the men's power and I, I i found it quite an uncomfortable watch but then her character i was like oh hold up a second here is someone who is strong and feisty and rails against that and does her thing and does it really well and doesn't back down and doesn't try uh, like recognizes that that's what everyone else is doing but it's just like this is this is what i'm gonna do and i'm gonna come back and i'm gonna be strong and this is just how it is i'm conscious uh i think having a having a chat with uh, a friend of mine we did very early on um harry potter characters yeah and um a, a, an interesting conversation came up around femininity and how um she sort of posited that, that jk rowling did not want to write positive feminine characters as in they were female but not necessarily where femininity was was something that they that was part of their um their thing yeah um where you know they, they wanted to celebrate being a girl um you know rather than being having to be feisty or whatever and i think um it'd be interesting to see how the rest of the list plays out and i, I know that from mine it's it, it does have something of a flavor of they're all kind of strong arm folded women as opposed to i don't know yeah, uh, possibly with the with the, the exception of Matilda, I think, who's, who's possibly a bit more sort of, um, yeah, she's she's less kind of more. more. <laughs> <laughs> if if anyone ever needs a description of Matilda, can that please yeah. just like written or audio like <laughs> that? Which we'll point people that's, point people to to that? That's yeah, brilliant. To, to this, yeah. <laughs> uh, who is your number four? Okay, so my number four is is a big one for me actually because I think maybe more than Matilda, she's probably one of the first women I fell in love with. Um, Lucy Pevensey of the Chronicles of Narnia. Mm. 
Oh, lovely. I have such a soft spot for these books in my heart, but I think being, I'm, I'm the youngest sibling, being the youngest sibling with an older brother, Lucy Pevensey as being this sort of young girl with older siblings that were constantly telling her she didn't know what she was talking about. And it was all like in her mind and bless her. She's just playing and kind of shoving the little kid aside and yet still standing up and saying, I know what I believe and I know who I am. And I know that this is what I'm going to do. She was brave and she was courageous and she was kind. And she never once at any point backed down from her thoughts or feelings or beliefs because of other people. And that for me, when I was very, very young, was a massive inspiration. I'm really pleased that um, we've, and, and it's, it's, we're sort of seven names in, um, that kindness has actually been, and I'm not attributing this to a the uniquely uh, female trait, but I've, like the fact that we've talked about strong characters, I'm really, I'm really pleased that like kindness is something that we're we're really talking about. Yeah, um, yeah, because it's it's one of the most important things to to me, uh, and it's something that I I look for in 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 characters. And it's such a it's something that we kind of brush to the side a lot, I think, because we mm-hmm. don't see it like, you know, courage and bravery is strong and rah, whereas kindness is gentle and it's often seen not necessarily as a weakness, but certainly one of the weaker strengths. It's just it's nice. It's a nice thing. Um it's like while you're being kind, you you could have been fighting back and it's like, well, it doesn't necessarily have to work like that. Yeah. You can fight back by being kind. You can fight back by listening, by saying, okay, I see that point, but also have you considered this? Rather than have you considered, fuck you. And there's, yeah, and exactly, that's one of my favourite moments in the Chronicles of Narnia is when um, all of the kids are given weapons by Father Christmas and by Aslan, and Lucy is given a potion to heal people, and she says, oh, well, why, like, why am I not getting the big sword? And Aslan sort of says, well, this is this is the most important thing. Like, and, and if you can be brave enough, then you can heal people. And it's that idea that healing is as much of a strength, if not more than killing bad people. <laughs> like, mm. Everyone else is given a knife to sort of slay and a sword to like protect themselves. And she's given a thing to heal. And it's not even like heal to your people. It's heal. It's go and heal people. That's the strength that you have. And I just remember as a kid being really like enamored with that idea of being able to take someone's pain away was incredibly powerful. And it was given to this six, seven-year-old kid that initially, for the first, certainly the first half of Lion, Witch, in the Wardrobe, everyone was like, oh, she's talking crackers, she's mental, she doesn't know what she's saying, she's imagining this fairy tale place. She, she never was, and she always stood by that, and then she was given this amazing power to heal people, and she just never backed down. And that, to me, was one of the strong, definitely one of the strongest women that I'd ever met at, at a young age. And even now, I still think what an amazing strength of a character to give this young girl this amazing ability to not only see the truth but also to heal the world essentially without going too bob geldof on it um <laughs> but yeah better better bob geldof than than um michael jackson sort that's of true that i mean that will always <laughs> always be the case from here on in <laughs> always always try to geldof when when you think you should jackson <laughs> if you're feeling jackson coming on go 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 a little geldof always go geldof um these are pieces of life advice um print that on a t-shirt right uh that's a lovely choice um kindness Mm. 
Okay. Uh, my number five is Clarice Starling. I don't know that. Is that thingy pingy? Uh, Hunger Games. No, uh, no, that is that has a... Katniss Everdeen. Oh, it was a similar name, Cat Starling. Yeah. yeah, I was close. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, you will almost certainly know her as the uh, the FBI detective in the Silence of the Lambs. Oh yes, 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 yes. I'm with you. Yeah. Um, she is um every bit as compelling um as a character certainly on screen and i, I i've read ooh, i've read red dragon and really uh thoroughly enjoyed that i, I i've actually ordered um this one um obviously seen the film so many times and and the, the film just holds up wonderfully um but as certainly in terms of screen time she is absolutely as compelling um a character in in not just uh, the the performance obviously because that's that screen but the character of Clarice, who's got this interesting backstory, who is super smart, doesn't ever really let the um, the fact that she's uh, a woman interfere with what she's doing. She's got to walk down this corridor of people who are saying awful things about her uh, and her, uh, you know, her her, her vaginal parts, um, and she's just like yeah it's just uh, yeah anyway i've got a job to do <laughs> and she's she's a woman with with uh, you know who's got a job and has kind of got that impatience with like yeah okay yeah get, i get it cool let's get all this out of your system let's talk about me being a woman right now can we get on <laughs> with the job at hand yeah. um and and i just i i like that she uh, is is sort of just just a kind of getting on with it person where being a woman is not necessarily she doesn't she the, the the story is not how she's fighting against the system yeah. um it's it's just you know in in a story that is obviously about men um killing women like in 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 this case she's just fighting it because she's from the FBI and she's good at a job like and that's kind of her that's kind of her thing um it's not a crusade or whatever and um yeah i think she's uh, she's she's not a super a powered character she's not like this incredible whatever some of the women that we've talked about she's just really really shit hot at her job yeah. um and and i like that that's the portrayal she's doing her thing and it's irrelevant what her gender is it's just like yeah i i'm just really fucking good at this yeah which is like and- really rare in mm-hmm. literature to not not define it as like oh you're good for a girl or you're good for like mm. it, it's it's quite a rare thing and that is something when you see it is something that's really lovely to see right then your number five please my number five is uh maybe we'll seem a, a bit odd in in the selection i've gone for but my number five is elizabeth bennett of pride and prejudice oh okay uh, which i think most people will think Oh, Mr. Darcy, she was trying to find a man, blah, 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 blah. Um, I love Jane Austen. I love her ability to be witty and sardonic and take on the society she was living in, but still have this sort of fierce feminist um, narrative. And Elizabeth Bennet is a prime example of this. Um, She didn't back down remotely on her values. She married for love and not for money or status, which at that time was not done. Um, She was opinionated. She was opinionated against the men of the house as well as the women. Um, She 
didn't allow anyone at any point to dictate her decisions. Often people tried to shoehorn her into something and, and she refused. So she is a, a character who's an example of knowing what you want and knowing who you are and not allowing anyone or anything to tell you otherwise. And especially because of the time it was written, that was a rare, well, it's a rare thing for someone to write for one thing, um, but certainly a rare character to be be written in that novel which is essentially a, a a love story but it's also a nod to the society that people were living in and for her as a young woman and she's like early 20s of that to stand up and say this is what I want and this is what I'm gonna do and I don't care about society and I don't care about this and I believe in this and that's what that's that's how I'm gonna be and how I'm gonna live it's just, it just was an amazing strength I remember the first time I read it thinking like this woman is fucking cool (laughs) she's just like no i'm not gonna marry financial stability no i'm not gonna marry for status no i'm gonna do this i really love this guy and i love him for these reasons i don't care who he is or what you say this is what i'm gonna do these are my values fuck everyone else don't care and that was yeah and i just thought that was awesome like i thought it was awesome that jane austen wrote that for one thing at the time i thought it was awesome that that was her lead character and she was funny and intelligent and smart. And the things that you took away from that novel were the fact that she was funny and intelligent and smart and moral and not that she was a pretty young thing trying to find a man. And that's why I love her. Um, so- solid. Um, uh, uh, yes. <laughs> a solid. <laughs> solid yes. description. <laughs> uh, yeah. Oh, uh, yes, absolutely. Um, uh, yeah. I mean, I, I, I don't have much pride because I can't, I can't do, I just can't, I can't. Period. I just can't. Period dramas. I just can't. Yeah. I'm sorry. No, it's fine. But I also I agree. Like the period. Like every time I see a Jane Austen adaptation, whether it's film or TV, I'm like, this is rubbish. <laughs> this is so bad. But the books um, are funny. <laughs> they're witty. They're smart. They're mm. incredibly ballsy. Like they're not. And then what you see on TV is like, oh, Sweeney, Mister Darcy, with your pretty lovely hair. Here I am in my frolic and like my little frills and blah blah blah. Like it's like, oh my god, this is so bad. But and that's why I always when I say to people I love Elizabeth Bennet, they think what the the chick that was after Mister Darcy. I'm like, no, 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 no. The woman that stood up against all of society to marry for love and for nothing else. Like that woman, the woman in that period that said, this is what I want and this is what I believe in, and I don't care. Like that is a ballsy woman. Yep. And she like obviously had to shoehorn that ballsiness into the society she lived in, but that there is a strength there. And all the adaptations are rubbish, never watch them, but read the book. Yeah, a lot of um really enjoyable turns of phrase and, and things like that, like get lost in, in any kind of visual yeah. adaptation because you just you, you can't you can't do those little those fun little trills and things. Exactly. Um yeah. Uh marvelous. Okay, well my 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 last one then, uh which was sort of number 6 on on my list in case we had a a collision. Um <laughs> Have you ever read this is a, this is going to be an odd and obscure choice I think. Have you ever read Futuristic Violence and Fancy Suits? No. Okay. It is the um follow-up from uh John Dies at the End. Okay. By Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You you, I know you that. sort of with yeah, me. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, oh God, I just believe. Oh yeah, by David Wong. That's uh, yeah. yes. Um, which I've yet to read just because of reasons. But uh, <laughs> I was recommended this one, and um, I read it when I was in New York and or traveling to New York, and 
I I really enjoyed it. It's like it's it's a funny book and it's a it's a sort of futuristic thing. It's not exactly sci-fi, but it's set in the future and it's it's kind of a bit of a little bit of politics and a little bit of uh, satire and um on uh if you follow the graph of how sort of uh commercialism and modern culture is going, this is kind of what you end up with yeah. if the graph doesn't correct itself kind of thing. Um and she's just she's the protagonist and she's um she's just this super cool uh kick-ass lady who um is uh i can't even remember the story this is why i sort of left it as number six (laughs) it's like an emergency um but she she's like she's really funny she's very um very sardonic and very sort of witty um and kind of a, a, a spiky character um and she's not one of those where necessarily the spikiness belies something sweet underneath. Nah, 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 nah. <laughs> she's kind of spiky all the way down, um, but just punchy and funny and uh, really smart. She has a cat that is, I think, a I'm doofus. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> she won't let the cat out of her sight or some, mostly out of her arms because if she does, the cat's going to bolt. And she's like, no, like I, I'm, I'm in a completely different place now. I'm miles from home. Um, my home's kind of knackered. Um, I need to get back to my mum i think she's like uh she might be early 20s and um i think her mum's not in a good way and there's a whole a whole bunch of stuff that happens uh and she just ends up in this kind of action caper um and yeah and she's just she's she's ace and and uh and that's why i picked zoe from futuristic violence and fancy suits nice nice (laughs) i like that this is a really good list well as you can see uh we had quite a bit of fun putting this list together and uh the 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 final list that comes as a result i think is uh is, is a lovely combination so thanks to becky uh you'll find out all of the uh the ways to follow uh, what she's up to and and the uh podcast that she does uh in just a bit and also of course links are in the show notes as uh, as we do um so speaking of, of of links and things uh have you signed up for the newsletter yet if not then uh you have missed um, a really good one because uh, the one that just went out um, has a, a complete uh, Goodreads list of all of the books that we discussed last week uh, with Sarah May Chusen. So it's it's a lot of Regency uh, romance and, and stuff. Uh, and you can only get that by signing up uh, to the newsletter. It's free. It comes out every Sunday. It's very short. Uh, it just has, you know, uh, links and uh, stuff that you won't get anywhere else. You won't get them on the podcast. They're not in the episode notes. They're not on the website. Uh, you you just get them for for signing up. And and that's kind of it, really. I, you know, you're you're not going to be bombarded, but it's a it's a useful reminder if you're not subscribed to the podcast. If that's not how you roll, um, then this uh, will just pop up in uh, in your inbox and just. Be uh, you know a little a little thing going hello you know don't don't forget us uh, so you can uh, do all that by going to listenvpod.com slash newsletter you'll find the link there uh, so that is that next week um, I'm talking potatoes with Ariel Nissenblatt uh, we we didn't talk potatoes on this podcast I did mention last week that Becky is a potato fan as you uh, have already surmised she's a good Irish girl uh, and I'm I'm also from Irish stock. Um, mainly a, a, a vegetable-based stock, uh, with, again, starchy with potatoes. Um, but that's a, that's, a, that's, a, a, that's a daft one that's coming up next week, and it was a lot of fun. Um, uh, it's still a valuable conversation. Uh, but after that, we take quite a turn, and it, it's really interesting. So uh, uh, I, if you're not subscribed already, then um, that just means that you get new episodes of this podcast every Tuesday, uh, and you can do that. Find out all the, the information by going to listenvpod.com. You'll find links to do all the things there. So uh, 
it, it simply remains for me to take us back to, uh, I think, November when we recorded this uh, and uh, and for Becky and myself to finalise uh, our combined list of literary heroines. So let's go. I feel like we, we talked, well, you talked for 20, and that's not a rebuke. That's not, you know, that's not like, you know, you talk. Um, there were words said for like 20 minutes on, on Maureen O'Hara. I could have gone longer. Um, yeah, no, I bet, like you absolutely have to make a podcast. Yeah, right. Is it, she's literally yeah. the most amazing person ever. <laughs> um, genuinely, given that um, the... Uh, so last week I, I in, uh, spoke to Sarah May Tucson, who is making a podcast all about uh, Georgette Hare, um, who is uh, uh, one of her literary uh, heroines. Um, she was a, a writer of sort of Regency uh, novels. Right. And she's doing a podcast series about her life. Oh, that's and, cool. Yeah, like you've you've I, i'm commissioning you now <laughs> such as such is my power me and me and maureen <laughs> yeah. me for hours talking to caspian and luna about this amazing goddess of a woman um i'm happy to do that anyone that will listen i mean if i whenever i meet an irish person in a pub i'm like what are your thoughts on maureen o'hara <laughs> and then i'm there till hours hours in the night and i haven't even touched the surface so i haven't even got to her <laughs> second accidental marriage and i'm like She's a, <laughs> she's a goddess. Uh, yeah, <laughs> there's a lot to be said. Well, she's got to be number number one. Um, oh, I think so. She deserves to be. She was so not appreciated in her time at all because of how, you know, because Hollywood was a boys club and, and she was like, you know, taken in for her beauty and nothing else. She was an outrageously talented woman and she was not appreciated and... She had an air fleet, Mark. <laughs> Goddamn plane! <laughs> Come on, guys. She was so, living yeah. the real, the real life equivalent of that uh, Radio Four series, Cabin Pressure. Yes, mm-hmm. she was that mm-hmm. with auburn hair. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> um, that's lovely. Okay, well, I, I because we both chose her. I think Matilda's got to be second. Yeah, I agree, hundred percent. Um, what do you feel about putting Elizabeth Salander at number three? I'm up for that. Yeah. All right. Um. So four and five is where is where it starts to get tricky. Um, so we've got uh, from your end, Miss Marple, Lucy Pevensey, uh, and Elizabeth Bennett, uh, and from mine, Aya Stark, Clarice Starling, and some lady from some book. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, and Granny Weatherwax as well. Granny Weatherwax. Some lady from some book, surely. <laughs> <laughs> surely you've got to put that character that you remember the name of from the book that you wrote. Re- yeah. Um, oh, what? What do you? What, where? Where are you? Where are you leaning? I feel like we can chuck some Discworld in there. Oh, okay. I, I, I think. Well, I was going to say if we're going to put her in, I think I think she's number five. Yeah. Okay. I'm. I, that that makes sense. Um, which means I think I think it's your pick for number four. Um. Let's go, Lucy Pevensey. Uh, that's 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 what I was thinking. I think, um, I think Lucy Pevensey yeah. deserves a spot there. Um, I, I think I think that's really good. Um, and I think yes, okay. So what that gives us then from from five to one is Granny Weatherwax, Lucy Pevensey, Elizabeth Salander, Matilda Wormwood, and Maureen O'Hara. I, I mean, it has ever better words been spoken. Uh, what a, well, what exactly. a list. What, what a, a list. list. So I will ask you the formal question. Becky Graham, do you consent to this list? I 1000% consent to this list. That is satisfying as hell. I'm really pleased with that list. Some, sometimes lists are like, ah, this is so that's good. right. This is some of my best work. This is stunning. I'm so happy with myself. Yeah, as you should be. We've smashed it. Um, 
Why don't you tell me uh, about your own words? Uh, so your own in words, your own words in my own words. Your own words is a podcast about books. You may have noticed I like them. Um, the uh, Alison and I started because we were both feeling sad. Um, uh, we used to do music, and then my ear blew up, and she lost her voice. We couldn't music anymore, so we lost our, lost ourselves in the world of books. And we started your own words podcast, where we speak to wonderful brilliant people much like yourself um about books that have meant something to them and we've got to go on a crazy literary journey and read books that we never would have read and met some amazing people and really being able to explore why why books matter and how they shape people's thoughts and thinking and lives and it's uh it's a world of fun it is and it's um it is uh, a wonderful listen and um, uh, ch- charming as hell to be uh, to be a guest on. Uh, I had a I had a thoroughly good time and it's a lovely listen. So the the last episode uh, was uh, I mean this is a while back now from when this episode <laughs> goes out, but it was Stephen King's The Green Mile, um, a book which I never finished. Um, <laughs> oh, Mark! I, what am I, doing? I know. I oh 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 that was like a dagger in my heart, Becky. The disappointment in your. <laughs> Oh. I've said this is it now. I'm not. I, I do not consent to your list. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the whole thing's ruined. Um, yes, it's a. Uh, so you'll find that at yaopod.com. Yaopod.com. Yeah, and at yaopod on all the social medias. And it's been awesome. And it's it's awesome. Not. I mean, it's great to hang out with with my dear friend all the time. But it's great because we've we've met some just awesome people um, who who love love books and, and love chatting and it's been yeah a world of fun so and you you uh, you still have our favorite laugh of the series like, <laughs> mark has the best laugh um it's practiced it's, you've years. been practicing yeah it really it, yeah. it really paid off so <laughs> thank you keep up that work um will do will do um i i uh i had uh, so i used to podcast with with a few friends and um I had to try and give one of them the direction of when you laugh, can you try and do it not directly into the microphone? <laughs> Which he found utterly absurd as a direction. It's like he didn't know that he was going to laugh. So he was like, I don't know when I'm going to laugh. I can't remember to turn my head. Surely you know that you... Um, okay, anyway. So, yeah, so your laugh is partly down to your ability to direct a laugh. I think so, because otherwise it, what wow. happens is you just end up with this this honk. <laughs> <laughs> this distorted honk wow. in your ears. Now that I've got this behind-the-scenes knowledge of the laugh, I'm not sure I'm quite so into it. No, um, once you find out how the sausage is made, the laughing sausage, it's just not quite so enticing. <laughs> I'm sorry to have disappointed you twice in one in, in uh, a three minute we were going period. Going on so well, Mark. Oh no. Oh. Um, so uh, one, one more time then at yowpod on dot uh, com and also all of the socials. Yeah. Anywhere else that people should be pointed to, you can find us literally on anything that you listen to a podcast on. Um, we are we are everywhere. You can't get away from us. Um, <laughs> yeah, please please join our little family. It's fun here. It's a it's a it's a fun it's a fun pool to wade into. Um, <laughs> Becky Graham, thank you very much for being on List Envy. Absolute pleasure.